what would you have to say to those individuals that are having a hard time coping with this information? I, I think we have to welcome them to the fold, right? Um, when I was realizing what it was that I was researching, it certainly had a profound impact on me. I'm not going to say it doesn't. Um, but the only response to that is this is the times that we are living in. These are our times, right? And do we miss that times were trite? You know, Seinfeld, where nothing was really all that important. And, you know, are we going to mourn that? All I can say is I remember my grandmother. Don't spend too much time mourning because life goes on. And, you know, no decision is a decision. Doing nothing is a decision. Mm -hmm. That becomes your stake. So, Yes, this is this is difficult, but together it's not. I'm so pleased to introduce our special guest speaker this evening. Lisa Miron is joining us on the Empower Hour for the very first time. Lisa is a wife, mother of four, writer, activist, barrister and solicitor who holds a Bachelor of Law degree the Queen's Master of Laws degree, and an Honours Bachelor of Science, Environmental Science degree, minor in chemistry. She is also very concerned and, I might add, informed citizen. And tonight, she'll review and break down the C40 Cities headline report for us. This report provides the details of what you will and will not be able to buy, how much you'll be allowed to consume, the strict limitations on mobility, and more. We are thrilled that Lisa Miron is joining Tanya to share this information with us. Lisa, welcome to the Empower Hour. We're so happy you can join us tonight. Hi, everybody. Um, and I enjoyed uh, the introduction, and I'm very pleased um, to be here today with um, Action for Canada. So thank you for this opportunity. Wow, Lisa, it's it's a pleasure to have you on the show. What I'm going to do is um, I'm going to just hand the whole floor over to you so you can let people know a little bit more about yourself. So I'm going to step away off to the side. But I am so grateful that you've come on the show because we've been uh, at the front lines of bringing awareness to the public about what's going on with these lockdowns, these 15-minute cities, the climate change fraud. Uh, for a very long time, we've got the notices of liability that we're encouraging people. But there's so much more to this. As I saw the C40 plan, and as Heather had just mentioned about how much you can eat and where you can go, all the rest of it, 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 it actually goes down into uh, such a state, I want to even call it lunacy, of those who have created these documents in this plan to save humanity, but actually to control humanity. So anyways, thank you for coming on the show, and I'm super looking forward to your presentation. Okay, wonderful. One of the things about being a lawyer is that you get very good at researching and looking for evidence. And so that has been a strength. I've been a lawyer now for 24 years. I was called to the bar in 1999. When you hear that the 15-minute city might be a conspiracy theory, we haven't heard from MSM, uh, mainstream media, really acknowledge this uh, concept or just how advanced it is. We haven't heard uh, how far along we are in this plan, and um, we haven't heard the details of the plan and how totalitarian it is. 
And I uh, want to say that this is an affront on democracy. And wherever myself as a lawyer sees um, an affront uh, to democracy, uh, I will point it out. So the first place I'm starting with is um, the race to zero. And this is right from the UN. So the race to zero is that uh, zero carbon, is that zero people, or is that zero common sense? I have a um, degree in environmental science. So to the extent that a green boot, which is who I'd like to call a totalitarian environmentalist, wants to argue with me, I will be prepared for them. The first thing I notice on the race to zero, and I, the reason why I'm starting with the UN is uh, no one can say the UN is a conspiracy theory. Um, under here, it says the race to zero is a global campaign to rally leadership and support from businesses, cities, regions, investors, etc. And it's made up of a coalition of non-state actors. So non-state actors aren't people who are accountable to us. And when non-state actors lead us through the paces of what our life is going to be, we have no way to rein it in if we let them continue down this road. So the non-state actors are, and I'm just going to see if I can pull this up, companies, institutions, cities, states, regions, educational institutions, healthcare. I will do a Substack, and um, I will have all my links so that you can go through them. And they are known as the largest ever alliance. Let's call this largest ever alliance the uh, alliance that is anti-democratic. They're made up of people, though. And those people live in cities, they live in states, they live in nations, and they too are going to want to keep their ability to raise kids in a democratic way with the principles of auto-determination. So that's where I'm starting. In my investigation on the 15-minute city, I landed on the global covenant of mayors. And why this is important, I hope everybody can see this, um, is that it links a whole bunch of cities and how many cities. So let's go down. They have mapped, I think it's 11,200 cities, 77, 277 cities, 12,773 cities have been mapped around the world. And in each city, again, I'll, I'll put, share this in a substack. Each city has where they are en route to uh, their climate action plans and to what that will mean for citizens. Okay. And uh, we're doing a Canadian presentation, but I am able to do any kind of presentation for any country because guess what? Every city, let's just put in. Canada, and we will see how many cities, wherever you are from, I would like you to explore the global covenant of mayors 
And we are going to go, let's see, does that work? Hazard. 63 results have been mapped. And I've done this before where I've gone to Admonton. And it'll tell you um, the where they are on the steps, whether it's inventory, target, plan, adaptation, goal. And if you can see, they've mapped out their buildings, their transportation, their industry, their waste, and their other. And what are their concerns in Edmonton? And this is what I think is absolutely hilarious. There's a serious concern for flood and sea level rise. And when's that going to happen in you know, times, well, okay, do they know where Edmonton is? So when you think about democracy, the people of Edmonton, they vote based on their ward and they elect council members and they have mayors. But if those people are answerable to another uh, entity, this global entity where they make commitments, and we'll see those commitments, then is it a democracy? If you don't even know what the commitments are, if they're not highlighting them when, uh, they're, when they're having an election, then you have no idea and no participation in key determinants in your life. This is a complete violation of the basic democracy of auto-determination because the global covenant of mayors and not us, we the people, are deciding what is going on, you know, and what are their initiatives and data for cities, invest for cities, innovate for cities. So I'd ask you to go and explore. So Toronto uh, is also part of the Global Covenant of Mayors. There is likely no town or city that is large enough, excuse me, that isn't mapped in the Global Covenant of Mayors. So is this a real thing? Yes, it's very real. And are people uh, behind the scenes moving in a direction that most people don't know about? Yes. So if this is the you know, university level, the PhD level of the Global Covenant Mayors is the C40 uh, site. And the C40 cities um, are, I guess, Global Covenant Mayors on roids. And again, their cities are mapped. What about, what about the C40 cities? And this has more of an impact, the C40 cities, has more of an impact on Toronto, which is a C40 city, than uh, anything that we heard of in the Globe and Mail or the National Post or the Toronto Sun or the Toronto Star. We did not hear anything about the commitments of uh, the C40 cities. And they are concerned about these climate action plans. I'm still here. And the climate action plans are what they enforce in terms of getting to these restrictive goals. And anytime 
you need a totalitarian result with a lack of auto-determination by the people, it is not democracy. So I started to dig into uh, the C40 cities and wanted to know what their goals were. And they have this report. And this is going to be the report uh, that works with whatever cities are mapped as a C40 city. And the idea is that we have to get to this mysterious 1.5 degrees uh, Celsius. And if we don't do that, well, we have all kinds of dire results that will, will result. So how are we going to change that? Uh, according to uh, the University of Leeds, Arab, and C40 cities, they have a plan. This is no small plan. And it's very, and it's very shiny. And it's very well thought out. And they will tell you absolutely everything. So we're going to go through and start with the executive summary. And... You know, we have to get through 85% of emissions associated with goods and service are consumed in C40 cities and they're generated outside of the city. What the science says about where we need to get to by 2030, which is just seven years away, not even six and a half years away. Um, uh, the average per capita impact on urban consumption in C40 cities must decrease by 50%. So I want to. I want you to think about this report with this in mind. You are the consumer. Consumption is bad. And you have to reduce your consumption in order for them, whoever committed to these C40 goals, to meet their C40 agenda. And I will show you later on how very real this is in the city of Toronto. And you will be able to do the same thing by looking at C40 City and knowing their terms of art, knowing how to search in um, the web to find the information about your city. So the most interesting thing to me is chapter six. And the reason why it's very interesting, I mean, the chapters beforehand map out, you know, every last little bit, you know, your energy generation, it's 46%. The direct uh, combustion for transport, 19%. Manufacturing, 15%. Agriculture, 11%. On-site building and energy, 8%. All of this has been mapped out. And when you get into what the consumptive interventions are, keep in mind how beautiful this is, right? They put a lot of effort into this report. And uh, they have deadlines. So uh, they usually have their deadlines marked as progressive goals. 
and uh, aggressive goals. And I'm going to, neither of them make your life good in a C40 city. So we're going to get to our chapter six. And so you're, you want to know what are the things that you're consuming as an individual, that your children are consuming, that your mom's consuming, that your friends are consuming? What are their targets for consumption that they're going to focus on, right? What are they, right? So we've got, let's check them out. So building an infrastructure, food, right? What you eat, what you eat, the government's interested in. Yep. Private transport, you know, mobility, right? Is there's a war on mobility. Whether they call it vision zero cities or zero vision, as I call it, which looks at zero accidents, right? Or you call it the 15-minute city, which puts in the geographical area. Or you look at the smart city, which adds the facial recognition and the monitoring and the 5G Wi-Fi on every light right? Or, you know, all of those things work together for this consumption. Uh, it, it deals with clothing and textiles, electronics and appliances, and aviation. You flying out of the city, you leaving that city, they've got that monitored. They've got that down. So um, they've got uh, different, the ambitious uh, scenario Right. So, you know, here we are and we've got to go down by 44%. So here's your food, right? Here's what you're buying and eating. Did you know the government was putting you on a diet? Did you know your mayor? <laughs> your mayor wants you slimmer. Okay. Did you know you need to be walking more? Right. Your private transport's governed. And you're going to find out that uh, your government wants you cold and naked. And that is not an exaggeration. So let's look at um, this one, which is the building and infrastructure. According to the C40, uh, this represents 11% of total emissions in C40 cities in 2017, okay? And so I have found in Toronto, the, uh, you know, where they are passing this agenda in our council, you know? And so this is not, well, it's just a plan and it's just out there and somebody put it in writing. No, somebody put it in writing and people are executing this plan and it's not front and center. So I, I think to myself, are those councillors who are passing, you know, oh yeah, global warming, yes. You know, let's, you know, green vehicles, yes. Are they looking at the plan? Probably not, right? I, I would call those people the useful idiots. But those who are actually looking at this agenda, if they understand it, you will see the C40 plan, wherever you are, anywhere right now, in the world, because I know I have some readers uh, on my substacks from all over the place, that the C40 plan is the implementation of a gulag. It's the implementation of a gulag. So they've broken down absolutely 
all the types of reverberation, you know, that you would have to do to improve the building emissions. And we'll see later on that they call this extreme retrofits, okay? So where they want to mandate extreme retrofits. And what does that mean in terms of the real estate industry? And, you know, I'm pretty versed in that. Um, What it means is that a bylaw could be so egregious as to create a stranded asset, right? If the requirements to meet a C40 goal are so expensive, then you cannot meet those changes. And they can say, if you're going to rent this, um, this home out, it has to be to code. Well, then to code, you know, we use building codes have changed, right? The 1950s building code is different, right? You might buy a house and it still has knob and tube and you're going to have to get new uh, insurance or temporary insurance until you change that. And you've been able to live in that knob and tube or the vendor lived in that knob and tube place for a long time. But what a, a mandatory retrofit is that the government can mandate that you take on these new emission standards, and they can be so expensive that you need to sell your home and you might not get a good price because the person buying the home then gets has to also meet those standards and then you don't get to rent. And so you're seeing this uh, example uh, in the UK where very old homes are being uh, put to task with these types of regulations and they become stranded assets. And so, now you have heard by 2030, you will own nothing and you will be happy. And I always wonder, well, what, how is it that they're doing this? So they attack material efficiency and they always have the progressive target by 2030 and the ambitious target. Let me tell you, this isn't just random plans. This is in motion. Your city councillors and your mayor have put this in motion. And it's almost like there's a parallel government. There's the government you see, right? The one on the news. And then there's the bureaucrats underneath and those pushing this along that are actually running our government. So um, enhanced building use. Well, is that, I guess, how many people are going to have to be in that home? Material switching. And that's where extreme retrofit, right? It's a different, you know, when you're doing... Doing a requirement for a new home build, well, that's one thing. But you have an existing home and they can make it so expensive for you to do that retrofit. Low carbon cement and reuse of components, right? This is this is the goal. Uh, for me, this, this part, well, my government has put me on a diet. That's right. Food is in their crosshairs. That's right. Food, you chewing, swallowing is in their crosshairs. Okay. Um, They represent, they've mapped this. 13% of emissions in C40 cities are because of food. So what does the government have to say about your eating in a C40 city? And remember, we're, we're graduating, right? This is the climate action plan right over here, the Global Covenant of Mayors. That's a climate action plans that you are going to see. You will see them dealing with some of these C40 matters. 
New York's a C40, uh, London's a C40, uh, Vancouver's a C40. And pardon me. So on the food consumption, you need to have a dietary change. So I don't know how much meat you're eating, but a progressive target for 2030, right, is that you get 16 kilograms of meat. That's not a month. That's a year, right? That's about 1.2 a month, right, kilograms, which is around, around two pounds a month. But their ambitious target is that you get zero meat. Zero, <laughs> zero meat consumption a year. The government thinks that they have the right to say this to you. No, stop, don't. Okay. The next one, 90 kilograms of dairy consumption. Milk derivative equivalent per person per year. So derivative equivalent. Is that oat milk, uh, soy milk? You get 90 kilograms a year in the progressive. But if they really, really knock it out of the park, none. None. This is your government who wrote this plan, right? Like, look how pretty it is, right? And I'll show you. This is on target. This is where we're moving to. How is this a democracy? Right? How is this a democracy when your government tells you it is supposed to be the other way? We tell the government. They don't rule us. We rule them. They are accountable to us. And when you pass absurdities like this, it's because you think you are not accountable. Because you belong to some cabal of sorts that believes they are above the rule of law and the concept of auto-determination, which is the we the people determine this. Interestingly enough, they've even decided how many calories. I guess they're putting Noom out of business, right? Here's, here's 2,500 calories a day. My husband's 6'2". <laughs> I'm going to have to share, right? Uh, ambitious target, it's the same. So not only did they write this down, they think this is a consumptive intervention that is desirable and that they can accomplish. And then we'll look at ways that they may accomplish because these, this is about consumption and it's about consumptive intervention. So what are your consumptive interventions that you can just brainstorm, right? You can stop having it come into this C40 city, right? You can, it's not on the shelves, right? You can sell only what you want people to have. You can have OQR codes. Wait, what? Have we seen those before? Wait, did I, did I facilitate QR codes by going to restaurants and showing my QR code and showing whether or not I was, you know, clean? I'm a clean person, right? So you could do that. You could spend so much money as a government 
And it's the original concept of inflation. Spend money, flood the economy with dollars so that inflation in and of itself reduces people's purchasing power. So that's a way to start, right? You can say, I'm going to show you what they do with the OEB. And for those who don't know, that's an acronym with the Ontario Energy Board. You can make energy so expensive, right? And one of the things that you, you've got to think about critically as an individual is when they want EVs or they want you to have an electric heat pump and they don't want you to have a gas stove, right? Is they have arranged so that that natural gas may eventually, instead of being burned at your house where you have the ability to turn on the knob when your QR code is bad, or you can turn on the knob when a storm hits, right? But you, you can't do that if the gas is burnt at a station and distributes the power, right? Enbridge will always be taken care of. So a 50%, getting back to this, a 50% reduction in household food waste, okay? So you'll be licking your crumbs. You got to lick that counter clean, right? Do you have a puppy anymore? Someone should tell the vets, right? Are they, are they eating squirrels outside? No, no, no. Maybe you are. You're getting them for your kids, right? Zero percent, zero household food waste. Zero. Not composting anything because you're hungry. Not able to get it, right? Avoid supply chain waste, right? Well, they just stop bringing it in. A 75% reduction in supply chain waste. So this is a government. These municipal C40 cities want to corner your diet. And they think they're able to. Well, maybe they are. Now, this one's interesting. Right? Clothing and textiles. Boy, am I ever glad I saved those suits I haven't been able to fit in for 20 years. So they represent clothing and textiles. 4% of total emissions. Okay. So, wow, better, better reduce those. So what does the government in the C40 cities, what does your mayor, right? What does um, your council members think you should have? How many new clothing a year do you get by 2030? Your progressive target. Eight new clothing items per year. I have an 11-year-old boy that goes through the knees of his jogging pants at least once a week. Three new clothing items per person per year, right? Hmm. So you're getting a coat, a hat. Is it your mid-year? You're going for undies, right? What are you doing? Three new, are we all in brown uniforms? Now, one of the things that I've heard so much is that equity is important, right? Well, equity is communism. And I'll tell you why it's communism, right? Oh, it sounds so good. Because it starts like equality, but it's not. Equality is equality of opportunity. Equity is equality of outcome. What do we see here? 
What do we see? Everybody gets the same amount of calories. Everybody. Everybody gets 2,500, not 2,600, not 2,400, the same. That's communism. This is not democracy. This is communism. People say, no, no, it's not China. This is China. This is Mao's China. This is the gulag. This is Stalin. This is communism. And your, your council is not only being absurd and passing it, but in a democracy, they're acting like communists. And they feel entitled to do so. And that's wrong. And you have to stand up. Right? Eight new clothing items per person per year. Or three. Here's your private transport. Guess what? That's going to change too. Right? So the 15-minute city, the Vision Zero city, the uh, smart city, it all works together with these goals. This is their plan, right? In history, we have seen leaders with horrible plans who have managed to execute on them. I don't know if they were drafted with such exactitude, with the technology to back them up, with a site for every city and the movement behind the scenes. Ab initio, this is communism. And if you're in a Western society, you're watching the green boots march all over us. They're communists. I'm sorry. I'm agitated because I have children. And I love Canada. So let's see. What are we doing in a progressive target in 2030? Six and a half years. We're reducing ownership. Okay. So 190 vehicles per 1,000 people. Let's just think about that. That's about 20%. Okay. Now, what's the ambitious target in 2030? Right? Were you... You're going to go visit your daughter, you know, in the GTA? No, you're not. Went on a picnic? No, you're not. Right? You're going to go to the grocery store and get all. No, no, you're not going to the grocery store. <laughs> this is zero, zero private vehicles by 2030. Right? Optimum lifetime. Well, what's the optimum lifetime? 20. Years is the optimum lifetime of your vehicle. Again, what does this look like to you? Think about countries that have managed to do this, right? Well, this looks like Cuba after the embargo. I mean, they are embargoing Canadians, Americans, everybody around the world. You can go to your C40 site and find out who these, put the beep, do you have a beep? I'm going to say a bad word, are. Okay, you can find out who the cities are, what they do, right? You can go and explore. So 50 years lifetime body. Well, there's no mechanics anyway, so you're going to have to save your owner's man. Print them from the internet now, uh, the material efficiency. Well, who cares about the material efficiency? 
they write, it's, they write the most ridiculous things. I mean, just from a first principle method. If you've owned it for 20 years, starting in 20, let's say 2023, you're not changing material efficiency for a really long time, right? Half a decade. So, well, that's kind of interesting, right? But they have the charts. These are the McKinsey et al., right? The modeling. When you get into this report earlier on and they model, right? This is all modeled. This is modeled. The tyranny they want to impose is based on models. You know, the boot I have in my head, it's kicking the rumps of some of these people. Okay? Aviation. Oh, your municipal government thinks they can tell you where you get to fly to. Right? Perfectly reasonable. Perfectly reasonable, right? Where we have freedom of mobility protected under the charter in Canada, right? Perfectly reasonable. How are they doing this? Well, what do you get to do? A progressive target. What are the number of flights? One short haul return flight every two years per person, right? Or every three years is the ambitious target. One. Do you get to come back or just get stuck in another C40 city? You know, are you going to the beach? Do you have to sew your own bikini because you've only been getting cold weather items, you know, under the uh, clothing allowance? And, you know, well, we're going to have sustainable aviation fuel. Give me my boat. This is why people come from Cuba. This is why we are turning our cities and therefore our nations into totalitarian gulags. That's it. That's what we're doing because of climate change. (sighs) Climate change. Okay. Electronic and household appliances represent 3% of total emissions. Um, You know, they're monitoring us through the electronic appliances. You wonder, could you eat more if you got rid of your smartphone? So every seven years, you get your new uh, lifetime laptop or similar electronic device, optimum lifetime, right? Um, if you are a reader of my Substacks, uh, I've just been publishing about this new technology, which is the nano tattoos. Um, and there's going to be a way to have us connected right to the grid. Um, and I think that's another horrible technology. So those are the main uh, takeaways from <laughs> the consumptive intervention. So your government thinks that solving climate change involves you, your children, your family, consuming less. Right. So when I started with the race to zero, right? Zero what? Zero freedom? Zero what? Zero common sense? We can have zero tolerance 
for this. And we can no longer just put our heads in the sand and say it's a conspiracy theory. Well, this is too pretty. And this is too advanced. And I hate to be the one to tell you to grow a garden, but do it. Delivering consumptive interventions will provide wider benefits. Now, this is the chapter I call, they're laughing at us, right? This must be the giggle icon, G for giggle, right? What are the, cons- this, they're, they're outright laughing at us, right? Look at 11 billion could be saved in the city of London over the next, oh, right? You are deprived of a normal living. You are deprived of freedom. You are in a virtual pen. You are controlled by the minutiae. They've saved $11 billion. Our governments are, you know, I don't know. There's like those, those old cocaine movies and there's money everywhere. It's like Trudeau. He takes, uh, you know, gasoline and lights a match to it. Money means nothing. Money is, you know, this is them saying that, you know, they're, they're solving this problem or that problem. They're just pissing that money away. So here they tell us, but we can save this money. You've been deprived of your home ownership. You've been deprived of your mobility. Oh, well, what are they saying about food? Okay. You're chewing on your nails because you're so hungry. You need the extra collagen. Okay. Look at that. They've saved $5,500 over a 20 year period, you know, on average. Who cares? Who cares? Right? What is that value of that money? What does it mean? Nothing. Oh, and you've saved this in deaths? Right? While while Canada ramps up made medical assistance in dying, they've they've saved this amount in deaths because, you know, red meat has gone down. Well, you know, there's some people who actually think red meat is very necessary. But do I want my government? You know, to have a physical barrier between me and a burger? Should your children be able to grow up to taste burger? I mean, you might be a vegetarian. Fine. Fine. But you want your government to tell your citizens to be a vegetarian, right? On this, well, we've modeled it. We've modeled it, you know, and we've saved, look at all the land we've saved by penning people in, in the freshwater we've saved. Now, this is the laughing at us. Okay, well, you're naked, right? Girls, women need new underwear. Are they selling pads? I mean, this is a question. (sighs) Over C40 CD residents could save $93 billion in clothing and textiles, right? We're wearing our brown uniforms, right, with Justin Trudeau's picture on it, right? And, uh... Because we're buying less clothes and you, you know that they're going to shut down the small businesses. You know you're not going to be able to uh, uh, go to the Goodwill and pick things up cheaply. This is, this is all going to be controlled, right? And look how much we've saved by eliminating your vacation. So we've, we've heard recently... Uh, in Canada, the just transition, right? We just do it. 
it's the reverse of the Nike. It's really not inspiring at all. Just do it. Transition to a low carbon economy. And, you know, the EVs, they don't solve a problem. You know, they're the mythology of this, right? The EVs, uh, are they more efficient? I mean, there's some arguments that say, oh, but they're more efficient. Well, if they're operating at an ideal scenario, right? The minute you have to use uh, the air conditioning, you've diverted so much from your battery to produce that air conditioning. So, oh, not at that temperature. Or when it's really cold, you got to heat your car and that uses up a massive amount of your battery as well. So not at those conditions. So not in the really cold. Well, that's Canada, right? So, and those EVs are getting their energy from someplace right? The only thing that taking the natural gas and diverting it to uh, a a place where it's, uh, you know, where it manufactures electricity and out of your home is not the CO2, right? It's not the CO2. It's about reducing your usage, right? You Places that have this kind of regime, like China, they can punish you for, you know, good speak. And we've seen that. We've seen censorship on roids. So we know this is part of the totalitarian regime. And once you can control people's usage of the internet, you know, of social media, you can therefore punish them, right? Oh, we've deplatformed you. Or you don't have the right QR code, you can't get into this restaurant. You can't go shopping. Now, I had a blog recently that shows Aldi in London has a physical barrier, right? That you need facial recognition to get in, right? Biometrics to get in. This is all moving in lockstep and tongue and groove. And we have a government that is introducing the idea of CBDC, which is programmable digital currency. That's a currency that can be programmed to expire. It can be programmed so that you can only use it in a physical area or you can only use it on certain products, right? Not meat, not burgers, right? All of the technology is in place. And so this just transition to a low carbon economy should be read as the totalitarian plan of bleep, bleep, bleeps that Lisa can't say on online. Because I hope my mom's watching. Okay, delivery of consumptive interventions, right? And so this is your bylaws. This is your regulations. This is not stalking the item. This is uh, physical barriers. This is getting rid of gas stations are not letting you have access to them. This is all kinds of uh, types of interventions. And it certainly works with financial interventions, right? So at the outset, maybe you're going to get used to using a QR code for this or a QR code for that. Or maybe you're going to get used to, well, oh, they have the technology now, CTV's even covered it, to read your license plate. And so, you know, by the miles, they can decide, you know, you're being taxed on leaving the city, right? Or you're being taxed, so you can only leave the city 100 times. Well, the next time it's, next year, it's 50 times. The next year, it's 20 times, right? You're, be, you're going to be conditioned to accept this, right? 
but you've seen the plan, you know what it looks like, and you've got to uproot um, your, your city councils. If they are answering to C40 cities, they are not answering to you. You would never agree to the measures, right, to save the planet that they are proposing, right? All the do-gooders out there who think, you know, let's do good, right, by recycling. And they do their selfies as they pour, you know, on paint on art or something. No, you cannot accept this. We have to en masse either let MSM know, our councils know, and our neighbors. It's not acceptable. So some of you think, well, you know, they wrote it down, but they're not really doing it. Oh, no. So I have a sub stack here, and you're welcome to subscribe. I would love your subscriptions. And this is um, the Smart City Infrastructure Front. So you may have noticed, and this is happening in small towns, uh, in municipalities in the GTA, in addition to C40 cities, and they are laying the pipe, right? And they lay it and it works, this fiber optic uh, pipe works with your home, works with your smart metering. Oh, right. How much water, how much utilities are you using? Right, how much gas? Do you have gas anymore? I have some substacks that review phasing out gas in Canada. Um, so they work with the lights. They're watching you. These cameras have um, facial recognition. There's cameras that work on the lights themselves. There's 5G towers. So who, who has modeled all this wireless infrastructure, right, and decided? that we as humans can tolerate this for our health, right? There's the car. Oh, we know where you're parking. We know who's driving. We know how far you're going, right? This is a pen. This is a pen. And they want you in it. And me. So what is the smart city fun? Okay, they haven't just made the promises to put up the smart infrastructure. And this is happening in small towns in Northern Ontario. This is happening all throughout Ontario. They have decided how they're going to do it. And so the fund helps city deal, cities deal with continued urbanization, climate change, and resource scarcity. Resource scarcity. Because they're not delivering it to your C40 city. Development of sustainable communities. They're sustainable because you're on 2,500 calories a day. And the technological advancement in digitalization. You know, when, when the CCP funds elections in Canada, and we have a problem with that, but we don't dig in, what do they get for it? You know, what kind of bills are we passing, spying on Canadians, watching Canadians, CRTC telling us we can't watch Fox News, right? Right, think, right? Can't, you can't have diversity of opinion, right? It's dangerous. It's for your safety, right? So uh, energy and resource efficiency, public street lighting. Now, how efficient is it 
to monitor every last calorie of an individual, to watch them on every street corner, right? I've seen them in our army municipality. They cut down the branches on the trees where the cameras, so that they can see, you can't skirt behind the tree branches, the beautiful tree branches that were there. Nothing is left to chance. And there is a universal structure across the world setting this out. And this is marching out. This is happening. Your smart meters, your network grids, your fiber optics, your mobility. It's all funded by the smart city. And your data, data analytics, well, it's your privacy violation. It's not a democracy when you do not have freedom from this kind of intrusion. It's not a democracy. What they are proposing is anti-democratic ab initio. I mean, go to court. Go to court. These are the types of cases that have to be brought, right? And so this is the North American version of the Smart City Fund. Let's go to the EU version. Oh, okay. Well, shift. They have the same goal. Right, all for all EU and OECD countries, including small municipalities. You can get that money. Did your council take that money, which is your taxpaying dollars that are funding your imprisonment? Did they? Did they want to deal with continued urbanization? Right? Oh, wait, climate change and resource scarcity? Oh, didn't we just see that? Development of sustainable communities? Oh, technological advancement and digitalization. They are all the same people again and again. They're the technocrats. And the technocrats are running the world. Well, we are distracted by what they put on television or on social media, right? This is where we have to look, right? I, in, in some ways, um, the LGB agenda, which is so inflammatory, uh, and so disruptive to families, um, and, and certainly not the traditional LGB, but the the uh, indoctrination that we are seeing in the schools and the SOGI and how Tanya put it so well, uh, this is about uh, them going after the children. And that is so disruptive to parents that are we paying attention to this? Right? Are we paying attention to this? So if... Everything works tongue and groove, right? And everybody's heard about the WEF. And so we are going to listen to his. An ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. Oh. What does that mean? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. Yeah, they are working on it. So if you want to know more about the C40 cities, let's say you want to know, for instance, is Toronto a C40 city? And do its council members pay attention to anything? Hello, this is Mayor John Tory from Toronto, Canada. It's great to be part of this year's World Mayor Summit, albeit virtually. The work being done by C40 and at the World Mayor Summit is critical in our fight against climate change. We know we need to work together as cities and leaders from around the world to address the challenges brought forward by climate change. 
Toronto's been a member of C40 Cities since 2005, and we're proud to be part of this global network that is leading climate action and continually raising the bar of ambition. Doing our part is something Toronto takes very seriously. Toronto City Council adopted an ambitious strategy to reduce community-wide greenhouse gas emissions in Toronto to net zero by 2040, with the interim target to reduce emissions 65% from 1990 levels by 2030. Toronto's net zero target is now one of the most ambitious in North America, and rightly so. We're leading the way because the time for action is now. So we're building more transit, almost $30 billion in new transit under construction right now. One of the largest undertakings in the history of our city, probably the largest, one of the largest in North America. And that's so, among other things, we can reduce the number of cars on our roads and the emissions that they contribute uh, to the environment. We are working to reduce building emissions from both public and private buildings, which we know is a huge contributor, the biggest contributor in our city, to greenhouse gas emissions. And while we have the largest zero emission bus fleet in operation in North America right now, we are working to electrify more of our transit vehicles and to help have more chargers for residents' electric vehicles right across our city. We are proud of the work we are doing, but we also know that more work lies ahead. And that is why C40 is so important. We know municipalities have the power to create change on the ground. While Toronto has made significant progress, we know that we have a very long way to go, and it will take all of us working together. And I am very proud and very pleased and privileged to lead in that effort. And we know that we're not alone. It's great to be among so many other leading cities where we can learn from each other as we push the global ambition on climate action. So thank Yes, thank you, John Tory. I've heard a lot of people say John Tory is a very reasonable guy. Perhaps he is. He says things very reasonably. He um, expounds his ideas very reasonably. He holds a room very reasonably. Uh, but what he's been doing behind the scenes is not reasonable. It's not. And for those who don't know, we've just had an election. And we've elected in Toronto, uh, Olivia Chow, who I have read, uh, marched uh, in a communist march <laughs> early on in her career. And uh, she's very socialist in agenda. And there are these people who support her, progresstoronto.ca. If you are one of my Toronto watchers, Definitely go into Toronto, uh, progresstoronto.ca. Uh, they support her. And um, they have indicated goals of zero fatalities. That's the zero vision. Um, they've indicated what they expect her to do for their support. And, and you know that these people all work together. Um, and so who else has been in charge of C40 cities? For Toronto. And uh, if you're not from Toronto, David Miller was a mayor for, uh, he was the former mayor. Well, did he ever leave office? He's been behind the scenes pushing the C40 cities. Okay. He got a leadership post in C40 cities network and then he became, uh, under a different press release, uh, in charge of the C40 city for Toronto. So, there's the democracy that you see, which is the election bits that get covered about what the issues are, right? Uh, and then there is what actually is going on on the ground. 
And um, so he's the former mayor and he's still working uh, for the C40 program, uh, served as the C40 chair from 2008 to 2010. And he was president of the World Wildlife Fund. And um, so people in Toronto will be interested to know about his roles. So there are other uh, information that you can find about what David Miller's doing in C40, and you can Google that as well. So what else is going on? There is, when you look at all the organizations, so in some ways, the government has this plan. Those in power right now have this plan. And then they, ha- they fund organizations who become the experts. And the experts provide data uh, that, you know, the government relies upon. But it's the same people, right? It's a circular thing, right? You're not allowed to deny. What's the thing you're not allowed to deny? That residential schools cause the death of uh, Aboriginal children. Imagine that's a thing. Imagine that you can't, imagine that's a thing. Like there's an opinion. Well, can't deny climate change. There's lots of things you cannot deny because those in power have an agenda. So the climate caucus, I think this one's interesting for Canada. And if you need me to do uh, something for the U.S., I'm happy to do it. Um, This is a climate emergency unit. And who's in the climate caucus? Okay. Who's are the cities? Vancouver's really involved in climate. Who's in the climate caucus? Okay, so, well, there's a climate caucus. And who are we? What's our mission? And let's find out the most, your city might be mentioned here. Here's the board members of the climate caucus. Okay, he's in the city of Courtney, BC. Vote him out. Right? This is the city of Victoria, BC. Vote him out. Make everybody know who this guy is, right? Because they have a totalitarian plan. This is Ramona Faust, right? Central Kootenai, BC. Boat her out. Get those letters ramped up. Action for Canada. Mike Layton, Councillor, City of Toronto. Ah, there we have. Boat him out. What do we have here? Jessica Mc. Kilroy, Vancouver, BC. Vote her out. Shame her. She wants to starve your children. Shame these people. They want a prison system. Shame them. Melissa Langmaid, you know, town of Strathmore, Alberta. Vote her out. Right? Mary Jose Perrin. We are outing them. Conseillère, Ville de Montréal. Right? on t'en veut plus. Vote her out. Andrew Black, Deputy Mayor of Sackville, New Brunswick. Vote him out. Shame him. Show up. Get the media involved. Right? Kim Zippel, Peterborough. Vote her out. OPG. Okay, Lori Baldwin Sands, City of St. Thomas. Here they are. Here they are. Diane Sachs, K. 
Councillor City of Toronto. Vote her out. Clean 50. Karen Tang, Councillor City of Edmonton. Vote her out. It's the Climate Caucus. So how far have we gone in terms of Toronto, for instance, right? And every city, you have to look for the climate action plans to see where it is, where they're going uh, with this. So um, here is Toronto's food charter, right? And um, in a food secure Toronto, what a joke. People will live within walking distance of a food store and have the opportunity to exercise when they do their shopping errands. I mean, they're so rich. Exercise, is that what they're calling it? Okay. Um, this one is item 2021, and you can track it and where it's at. And this is the critical steps for net zero by 2040. And um, I might just do a sub stack to get involved and let you guys take a look at all the things that we have there. But on number 10, it is to codify the current council adopted targets, okay? They want to submit a bill to codify the current adopted target strategies and policies and programs. Um, so I found that interesting. And number 16, um, the city council requests the government, Canada and federal agencies and corporations to enforce a national clean electricity standard, right? To decarbonize the electricity grid. So when you look at this again, is this democracy? Because what if I voted you know, the conservative government in, right? These municipal people who have not, you know, run a campaign on our imprisonment uh, are telling the federal government what to do too. It all works together, tongue and groove. And uh, T3 is the net zero strategy report. So you can get involved in this. And again, I'll have these links in a sub stack for you. Uh, May 2023. Um, now, this one is the net zero building strategy. And when you go through this, it starts with uh, voluntary targets and it goes to mandatory targets. Um, so this report is about the retrofitting of your homes. All of the things that you saw in the C40 leads report are ending up, right, there's our C40 leads report, are ending up in council bills and instruments, right? But who's reporting on this? Who's following through, right? And Oh, they're going to ask the OEB, right, to implement rate structures that favor electrification and fuel switching away from natural gas because you can't have that independence, right? You're going to want to go through this report if you're from Toronto. Now, this one is interesting. Who are these? So this is page four. We'll just rip right down to page four. This is the Climate Advisory Group, okay? And this is their draft terms of reference. And I, you know, I've just been digging because uh, I got asked to do this uh, report, and I was going to do it for Toronto-centric here. Now, from a first principles way, 
I want you to look at this report. So Transform TO Climate Leadership Table, okay? They are going to give the City Council Senior uh, Leadership Team information that they should act on. Oh, okay. They are going to tell other levels of government, right, on how to act. And then the other levels of government are also going to mandate to city council what to do. So the Transform TO Climate Leadership Team assume that these people, these, Lisa wants to say a bad word, these people are the ones in every city. You're going to have a climate leadership table. And they are bypassing individuals. Where's, where are you? Did you? Did you find yourself here anywhere? Are you here? City council, other levels of government. Okay, so the climate leadership team tells other levels of government. They tell the senior team of the council how to act, right? There's a joint transform to your implementation committee and there's the climate advisory group, right? And who are the climate advisory group? Again, these are more NGOs that are funded, right? by whoever funds all these these things. They're the Neighborhood Climate Action Champions, right? So anybody on the other side of this? Any uh, other diverse opinions being provided? Any other opportunities for debate? And live green uh, Toronto volunteers? Is that the Climate Corps that Biden wants to fund, right? We need a Climate Corps. So this is also not democracy. This can be dismantled. This is not democracy. Ab initio, from the beginning, the idea that these people, the transformed TO climate leadership team, dictates how it happens, right? But again, oh, it's, you know, people write things down. Can't happen. What if you legislate it? What if you legislate the Strong Mayors Act, right? That enables them to change bylaws. So in Ontario, there is a Strong Mayors Act, and it's changing powers uh, within municipal governments. And that is going to work tongue and groove with this new framework of governance. This is not democracy. This should all be just taken out the pasture and shot. So I'm just going to look at the chats to see if it's if I have any more time. Do I have any more time, or um, can I add a couple more slides? What do you think? Tell me in the chat, please. Hi, Hi Tanya. You, you can speak. Okay. Sure. I'll just. Okay. So I will continue then. Um, minimize this. So. Oh, I wonder how I did that. I did something wrong there. So that was a site that talks about, um, and I'll just put that in my Substack. So we'll go to English. So 
there's the idea that's being pushed right now that there is a consensus on climate change. And I think that's really important for us to dispel that there is a consensus. And Dr. Clauser uh, was recently um, doing a, an opening speech. And he's a scholar of quantum mechanics, and he has received the Nobel Prize in science. And in his congratulatory speech, he indicated that it is not his opinion um, that climate change is a thing, okay? He diagnosed that the current situation on climate change is not a climate crisis and criticized the International Panel on Climate Change for spreading misinformation. He's telling them that they're spreading misinformation. I don't think there is a climate crisis, he said. I think the key processes are exaggerated and misunderstood by a factor of about 200. All the work that's being done is on modeling, right? They model, right? But there are winners and losers in this. And the people are the losers. And there's going to be a colossal change of democracy, ruling, for this climate change. And so you cannot deny it because it is the raison d'etre for those changes, right? It is the raison d'etre. It is why they have the excuse to create feudalism, right? We have this idea, and I'd like to explain it as recency bias. For many of us, um, we have lived in a democracy and enjoyed freedoms or the perceived ability to have freedoms for a very long time. And with that comes a complacency that this is the way life is. You know, Reagan said, you know, freedom is but one generation deep, right? Freedom is where we all get to share in the resources based on our abilities. We may have decide on equality of opportunity, right? But what they want to impose will essentially change to communism or as I like to say, feudalism, right? Where they, and that existed for a long time in society too. And most of the 186 countries in the world or 189, whichever it is, you know, they do not necessarily have what the West has. If we don't fight for what is right, there are going to be winners and losers. And so I'd like to just end the presentation with this slide, which is climate change spells terrifying future. And this is the UN rights chief. Okay, I started with the UN. I'm going to end this presentation with the UN. And so this is a... Um, because of climate change, he says. This is a reporting on, on what he said. More than 828 million people faced hunger in 2021, and climate change is projected to place up to 80 million more people at risk of hunger by the middle of this century. 
All right. Well, thank you so much. That was incredibly important information, very comprehensive presentation. And, uh, you know, I, I was just watching uh, the participants and how they have stayed throughout this whole presentation because it is vital. This information is critical that we understand what is going on in the background while uh, you know, I was even thinking about the fact that I've been saying for months and months and months as summer was approaching, it happened last year and the year before that, is that we're creating so much momentum, momentum we're doing so much work, now is not the, take to, the time to take our foot off the gas pedal. We have got to keep it floored and unfortunately a lot of people are in summer mode and they can't handle the stress of this and so they're putting their head in the sand. And uh, so what would you have to say to those individuals that are having a hard time coping with this information? I, I think we have to welcome them to the fold, right? Um, when I was realizing what it was that I was researching, it certainly had a profound impact on me. I'm not going to say it doesn't. Um, but the only response to that is this is the times that we are living in. These are our times, right? And do we miss that times were trite? You know, Seinfeld, where nothing was really all that important. And, you know, are we going to mourn that? All I can say is I remember my grandmother. Don't spend too much time mourning because life goes on. And, you know, no decision is a decision. Doing nothing is a decision. Mm -hmm. That becomes your stake. So yes, this is, this is difficult, but together it's not. I agree. And uh, you know what, Terenzio, if you can share my screen for a moment, because before everybody has to, uh, you know, we're, before we wrap this up, we're going to have a few questions as well. But what Lisa is saying right now is that you know, a decision to do nothing is a decision. And it can be overwhelming to think this problem's way too big for just me. But if I had thought that eight years ago, when I got started in 2015, because my moment was back then, where I was like, oh my goodness, Justin Trudeau is campaigning for everything that is going to destroy this nation. And those were my moments where I was like, this is too big for one person. But I started with just that first letter to my MP. And then I started advising others and it turned to the call to action campaign. And eventually in 2019 to Action for Canada. And we have a tremendously large email list. I started with 12 people on my email list, but it's taking that first step. And now we're looking at 100 chapters nationwide and Action for Canada is providing the resources and the materials and um, all of the knowledge that you need in order to get involved. Not only that, but we're building communities within communities of like-minded people. That's what you're seeing. This is such a beautiful image when I see all of these chapters, but we need people involved. We understand it's summer. We understand that you've got families, but you know, there's sometimes when I get uh, so worn out from, from the amount of um, uh, participation in this war that I sometimes say, I just want my life back. But I had the opportunity yesterday to drive with my mom for a couple of hours who went through World War II. Her house was blown up. They had no food to eat. Uh, you know, they came to Canada with nothing and they built a life. They had that moment 
I just want my life back. It's our turn. And it's our responsibility to make sure that we're on the front line of this war so that we're protecting it for the future generations. And so on that, I just want to make sure that, again, I know there's people who are new on the call and people who are going to watch the Empower Hour by video afterwards. It'll be posted tomorrow. If you go to current um, issues underneath, uh, like in our menu, and we have several things. We have climate change. We have 5G. We have 15-minute cities. Um, you know, we've, we're digital ID. We're trying to hit all of these issues to help educate you, but we always provide actions. So here's the 5G, for instance. You can see how the cell towers are rolling out across Canada, especially during the last three years through so-called COVID, right? It was all to muster up this plan. We've had Tom Harris on, and he has given amazing interviews regarding uh, and presentations regarding climate change. We've got the PowerPoint presentations on this page and other incredible in information. And then we have the 15-minute cities. Let me just go back up to the top. And we have the uh, notice of liability that you can sign and send to your mayor. Don't be afraid of it. It's not illegal. It's an informational document, and it's warning them that what they're doing is either causing harm or illegal. And it's both. This is both causing harm and illegal. It's nonsensical uh, what they're doing. And of course, for all of this uh, global control. Now, down at the bottom corner here, we have these smart city flyers. And we would ask for you, this is an investment in, in your future, is print these. Get people together, raise some money, go to a printer, and then start handing these flyers out so that other people can be notified and it within your community. It's a very powerful thing. We've been doing this with the Win Sex Ed and Soji123 flyers standing outside schools with thousands of copies handing them out to parents. And this is how, you know what, if the media isn't going to do it, we need the boots on the ground to be actively involved. And uh, we are at war. And then we also had Jeff Snicer on. And this is all information you can find on the 15-minute uh, city as well. And like Lisa, he gave uh, a couple of weeks ago an in inside look at what the cities are already doing in uh, passing policies and, and uh, rules and mandates in order to implement all of this. So everything you need. Okay, thank you, Terenzio. Everything that you need to be educated on these matters, everything that you need to take action. And then we're working together with people like uh, Tom Harris to focus on cities, to go and to lobby them, to educate them. But it has to come down bottom line to liability as well for these mayors and city councils. When this all starts to unfold, and it will, because judges are starting to rise up throughout the United States and other places who are ruling in our favor. They don't want to see these our countries go to communism. And we need to tap into these good people and to their common sense and to educate them on actually what this plan is all about. And then you've got someone like Lisa, who is also working on the front lines uh, with our chapter uh, as well in Ontario and uh, doing the legwork to educate you to help to go to these cities and to have these discussions. Anyways, Lisa, thank you for your patience as I uh, wanted to go and cover that information because I think it's very relevant uh, to what you're doing and people need answers. I always say we don't want to just scare the bejeebers out of you, right? We want to give you the uh, means to protect yourself and your family. Yes. And I, and I think about those cases, I think I've set out many ways that this is an assertion of democracy. And when that is an assertion of democracy, it's a violation of the constitution. And certainly in the U S 
there's going to be red states and more friendly jurisdictions. It would be nice to have a case started there that attacks it on those bases. So, you know, one one friendly ruling, uh, two friendly rulings, and then uh, again and again, knocking it out of the park. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then the awareness, right? The awareness to people. Um, I had this idea, and I call it Wake the Wakers, where you take a list every day of emails uh, of people in the press, and you send them, you know, your article of the day or your two articles of the day. And, you know, you basically say, hey, you haven't been talking about this. Did you know about this? Um, I'd like to see you, you know, report on this. And if enough people start doing that, you know, we, we move the dial slowly uh, because all the people who um, are the useful idiots, once we reach them, right, you know, the black rocks of the world, they have family, right? The people who work at these institutions, the people who are in the civil service, the people who are in the bureaucracy, they have family. Do they want to be monitored? Do they want to be watched? Right? From a first principle basis, there is, it's, it's fine. It's all good and dandy if it's not really happening and I can, you know, believe the, it's a conspiracy theory. But once you actually wake up either the wakers or the people in the bureaucracy, you can affect real change. So, you know, we are, we are the activists. We've got to, We've got to get this word out. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, that is what we're working so hard to do. I always say that knowledge is power. I'm going to just keep repeating it. And when you have it, you got to share it, but you got to use it. And so we've got these resources available to you to hand out. And the more people that are educated, I mean, I was just sitting here thinking, considering the fact that now we've got 40 million people, we've gone up 2 million in the last couple of years, thanks Trudeau. And there's 338 MPs. 40 million people, 338 MPs trying to tell us what to do. And then you've got thousands of mayors and city councillors, as well as thousands of MLAs and MPPs. There's way more of us than them. And uh, all the way back to uh, when COVID had hit on the front line in all of the resources that we're providing was what are your constitutional rights? What are your charter rights? What is the criminal code? Okay, what, what is the coronation oath? Mm-hmm. How does that apply to you? Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. 100% guaranteed rights. And so in the notice mm-hmm. of liability regarding the 15-minute cities, I actually said this is an exercise in futility because we have the guaranteed right to mobility. So you put up a tower, you put something up. I, I mean, we're just going to take it down. 40 million of us, a couple, a few thousand of them. Okay, put it in perspective. And if you ever saw an elephant being trained for the circus, I hate that elephants are in captivity, but there is something to be noted here. They'll put a chain around a baby elephant's ankle and that chain will be to a peg. When that elephant grows up, that elephant doesn't understand that it has power or that it could run away. Okay, you've been a little baby elephant with this little chain around and you have no idea that your freedoms are 100% guaranteed. So you have got to assert your rights. Okay, that's my little soapbox there for a minute, Lisa. I should ask you, let's go with a couple of questions because some of them were coming in. Um, Okay, so chapter four of the C4E 
40 Cities report seems to indicate that 42% of our carbon emissions are generated by producing electricity. Why then are we all supposed to go electric? Because it's a farce. Uh, it's a sh- <laughs> I guess. Yeah, it's a, it's a shell game. It's a shell game, right? And the, the going electric means that your meter on your house can be turned off. Because it doesn't change it unless you've uh, somehow created some kind of uh, hydroelectric power that you don't have in your area. There is no true green electricity, right? When you build the panels, that involves uh, electricity. And of course, it's not reliable electricity in, and the same with, with wind. Um, and one of the things that they, that they know is that, you know, we're going to, in a C40 city, we're going to create green power. So what? Where are the 700 um, wind turbines going? Right? Where are they going? And where? most of them, right? yeah, most of them useless. I was, I, I was going by one on a, way up in the boonies in the mountains. It's, it's a path I have to take to Kelowna. <laughs> and they've got those monstrosities up there. There's about five of them. And I'm driving by and I'm looking at them and they're all perfectly still. I'm like, gee, that's helpful. It was like 30 below. (laughs) There was no wind, no electricity coming from them. I mean, it's a farce. And then if you look at the the mines, the lithium mines, and you see the Mm -hmm. massive holes that they're making in the earth to create these, this is way more damage than oil mines. Then you think about the children and the pregnant women and mothers who are uh, dealing with the uh, toxic lithium lithium and then you know they're getting paid pennies a day slave labor and it, it's just cruel and unusual so i i loved it danielle along with tom harris in in toronto during the election in ottawa sorry we're asking elected officials like candid candidates who are running for office how like in other words how do you justify this these uh children in slave labor to yeah. produce these batteries that are supposed to run your city's genius Right. Yeah. And of course, they're sitting there like, uh, 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 like, how do you answer a question like that as an elected official? They should be asked. We should be asking that question every single time we go to a meeting. Have they thought this well, through? And no, they haven't. And but it's really telling. They have zero as their aggressive target: private ownership of vehicles. So you know, you know, we're going to build these mines. No, we're not. We don't have anywhere close to the amount of mining we would need to in Canada or elsewhere to create all these lithium batteries in a sustainable or even nice way if we got rid of child labor. Uh, we don't have a method. And we don't have a method to for the amount of batteries that would be needed if we were replacing current car ownership. It's telling. But there's going to be because, zero cars, right? So right. <laughs> that's, that's these dirty dogs plans. I, I, on the last page, you had shown as well uh, the the appeal of whoever that was at the UN saying the earth is, you know, it's melting and the earth is burning up and the earth is this and that. Well, next week, we're going to have a fellow by the name of Robert on the show. And he is a forensic arborist. 
and he saw that the fires that were were being started because that's what's happened is these fires are being started in order to force people into cities and to uh you know inflate that there's climate change and you know the fires are because of climate change but he's come up with some very interesting details and um evidence to prove why the fires are actually uh part of this sinister plan and uh it's going to be again knowledge is power right we need to understand that nothing is as it seems <laughs> nothing is as it seems in the mainstream media so question everything and um okay so i'm going to get to another question because there's a couple of others uh okay we first must ask what is government i'm not sure how do these groups of people have power over us and it says only mass disobedience. So really that's been answered by the fact if they don't have this power over us, unless you hand it over to them and we need to grow up the Action for Canada chapters so that we have thousands of people as members so that when there's an ele election, we can take back every level of government. And we were very successful in the last election is that a number of our chapter leaders actually, because they were so well-versed on everything, they got elected. Okay, uh, that's a question about our finances, which so much. Can they lock us out of our accounts? Yes, they can. That was proven. Justin Trudeau did that. Is it legal, lawful? No, they can't. So what we've really encouraged uh, Canadians to do is take all of your funds out of the bank, pay cash, cash, cash for everything uh, with your bills, etc. You may just want to leave enough money in the bank that uh, if you're on automatic payment, if you can't go into the facility or start writing checks again, my friends, and start paying that way and stop all the automation from your bank accounts. Um, in green society, there won't be electric vehicles. The grid won't handle it, which is what we were just saying. So there will be none for us, only for those in power. Uh, okay, you mentioned to vote out those who are pushing the C40 agenda. How do we know anyone running won't be pressured, threatened to also push it through? I, I think once there's a critical mass there's going to be so much anger, right? If you just look at the plan and you don't dig in, it looks pretty, oh, gee, global warming, we have to do these things. Okay, let's do them. But when someone really breaks down the plan and takes it to where it needs to be seen, which that this is a communist agenda, right? There are still good judges out there that need to look at this plan. So... Mm -hmm. You have to look at who are the climate, who's on the climate board, right? And what are your climate plans? And you have to let your neighbors know. You know, every time we wake someone up to these secret agendas, we wake with them their creativity, their network, and their ability, right? Yeah, you know, I didn't, I mean, I had a... I, a relative trust of my world. I have four small kids, I, you know, um, between eight and 11. And I've spent the last decade or so focusing on work and my family life. But when I woke up, I became a warrior. Um, <clears throat> and that's the case with every soul that you wake up. Absolutely. I'm, like, I'm going to have to say goodbye. Cause I, yes, I'm, really... I'm just going to wrap it up. I wish I knew previous prior. <laughs> I wouldn't have even put you through the question time. All right, Lisa, okay. thank you so much. Just God bless you. I pray for a, fa a quick recovery. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Okay.
Well, that was an amazing presentation from uh, Lisa. I think it's incredible information that we need to use and move going forward uh, in order to be educated and to have these meetings with our elected officials. And so just as a point of interest, I'll be coming to Ontario uh, New Brunswick and Nova Scotia at the end of July and the beginning of August. So I'm coming to meet the chapters and have some meet and greet with our members. I'm really hoping to meet some of you during that time. I'm going, I'm excited about it. Okay, Terenzio, if we could take a look at next week's guests. Uh, Robert is going to be joining us. He's a forensic arborist. And right there, as it says, global fires equal, equals global control. And uh, as we know, if you're suspicious of whether or not these fires have been set and that this is a controlled situation, you would be right. And uh, Robert has, uh, as a forensic arborist, he was he has come up with information after examining uh, fires and going to the sites to prove that there is something pretty suspicious going on in the way that the fires are burning and how it is affecting the trees. And so, of course, this agenda is part of the uh, uh, climate cabal's uh, fear-mongering to suggest that the fires are part of climate change. And also, it's being used as a tool to cause fear and force individuals to move into the cities out of urban areas. And so this is going to be an incredible Empower Hour, so we look forward to you joining us next week. All right, on to the verse of the day. It's Daniel six twenty-six to 27. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from, his, from the power of the lions. And I believe that God will rescue us. And to those of us who are believers in Christ Jesus and have given our life to them, we have the assurance that uh, this life is temporal and that heaven is for eternity. And so I encourage you today, don't walk in fear. That's a tool of the enemy, that God is great and that uh, Canada turned their backs on him. And uh, the whole purpose of this exercise is that we need to turn the heart of this country back to him. And so I'd encourage you today that if you're struggling, if you're filled with fear, if you've got anxiety in your life, Action for Canada has an amazing prayer team that would, who would like to pray for you. So if you send your prayer request in, uh, we will cover that in prayer. Your, uh, the prayer request line will be in the description for those of you who are going to watch this video afterwards. And uh, within the Empower Hour, it's included in the chat. So thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next week. God bless you and God bless Canada. Bye.